welcome to Love in Your Life. This is Dola, your host. Today, I am calling this episode Radical Empathy. And I had to look that up because I, although I, I wanted to call it that, I, I didn't know if there was a you know definition for it that I could offer up. And, and it turns out there is. I found it in an article uh, by uh, Corey Collins in a Teaching Tolerance magazine article. So most of what I'll talk about today is what I uh, sort of reviewed from his article because it was extremely uh, pertinent and exactly what I wanted to talk about today. So what is radical empathy? And, you know, we talk a lot about empathy on this show because of emotional intelligence. And that was my other attraction to this. And this is a moment where I think we could benefit uh, so much from empathy. But the radical empathy definition is actively striving to better understand and share the feelings of others to fundamentally change our perspectives from judgmental to accepting in an attempt to move authentically, connect with ourselves and with others. I thought that was a an apt um, concept to talk about today, considering the moment that we've arrived here, um, you know, to this to this uh, recent reminder of the need to confront injustice in our society. Um, you know, I was naive enough to uh, think that we were well beyond this moment, but evidently uh, we, we aren't. And I recently read another, uh, a book by um, a gentleman, uh, Malcolm, uh, I'm sorry, um, Malcolm, yes, Malcolm Gladwell, talking to strangers. And he, uh, in, if you want to read a good book about what, uh, what the, the, the things that come into play when we don't understand each other because we are, he calls us strangers because we don't understand the other person's perspective, their experiences. And that is why all of this makes sense to me now. I had to really look into it because um, for, for, one, for one thing, the, the idea of white privilege caught me a little bit off guard in terms of, of feeling sort of responsible for being part of the... Um, the the numbers of us that that really have white privilege and we we really aren't necessarily aware of it but we move easily and we don't have to think about um you know somebody looking at us funny or somebody uh you know thinking that we um are more guilty than somebody else. Um, we, we, we really take that for granted. And so when I first heard the term white privilege, I thought, well, no, that, that, that just can't be for me. Um, but, but this gentleman, Corey, uh, Corey Collins says that that is exactly that defensiveness kind of reaction to that term. Uh, derails the conversation and unfortunately, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't um, allow any uh, 
reconciliation or, uh, you know, some uh, any progress to take place because we're stuck in that sort of quandary of defensiveness saying, well, that's not me. I don't do that. So I had to get over that first. And what he says then, he goes on to say that, you know, white privilege probably should be be defined by what it isn't. And so they aren't saying that we don't work hard for what we get, you know, th those of us who are white and, and achieve a level of success, we do work hard and it is acknowledged that we do work hard. Um, but it's it, what they want it what we they want the point they want to make is that there's a built-in advantage that we experience that's separate from what how much we earn or how much we work for what we earn and i think that was what you know allowed me to understand a little bit better about what what privilege actually was and so and then they went on, he went on, uh, Corey Collins goes on to, to explain how, you know, uh, we don't realize that when we go shopping, that the things that are being sold in the regular, you know, aisles and the regular department stores are things that, you know, we just take for granted. Those are the things we use. Uh, you know, hair pr products are hair care as opposed to ethnic products or ethnic uh, hair products, you know, in a separate section or separate aisle. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just that it, it, it continually reminds us that there's difference. And I think that, um, you know, I think that that connotes an idea that difference is not good, you know, or um, it, it, it's, it's, it's all mired in that um, sort of subconscious um you know, idea of privilege. Um, and so that word, like I said, it just kind of bothers you, but it, it is sort of um, the way it goes. And, and that's why uh, when, when Black people say Black lives matter, uh, they're saying, I, I, I want to say that they mean two, T-O-O. Um, because all lives matter. That's another thing I had to get over because I'm thinking all lives matter. Why, why are we, you know, putting that uh, sort of highlight on black lives matter? But now, of course, I understand that uh, it is it, the feeling that, that others have about not mattering is the experience that they have brought with them. And it continually uh, is happening. We, th we think we've left it in the past and it, it continues to happen. And it goes under the radar so often that we're not, even though it's, you know, a news, a news uh, moment on TV, we just sort of put it away again and then it happens again. So I, I, I see how, how insidious it can be and how awful um, it must feel to those who are misunderstood. So in order to recognize white privilege, we have to understand what it is. So I, I, it be, I, would, be, I would, would be remiss if I didn't you know, ask you if you, you needed to understand it more, to read about it, to read about what, what, what they mean by white privilege so that you understand it, so that you can recognize it. Um, it's an invisible sort of force that's underlying in our society that needs to be sort of, you know, handled and managed. And um, we need to, to have a mutual 
uh, agreement that we're going to change things, that change is going to happen. Um, and, and I think that, you know, what I, what I've always talked about in emotional intelligence is that, that empathy that we need to embrace our brothers, to understand that I, I, I don't feel that way. I never experienced that, but now I'm beginning to understand what you've experienced. And my empathy is allowing me to stand with you against these things. So, um, you know, against this, this sort of, um, this idea that you are uh, guilty before, um, before you're innocent or, or that you're more suspicious than uh, your, your white brother or that, um, you know, that, that, that there's something that you have to concern yourself with, you know, when you drive your car down the street um, in a white neighborhood. Um, I, I, that is definitely uh, come, you know, to my understanding as um, the cause that, that white privilege connotation is, is the underlying, one of the underlying causes of racism. Um, and, and it does, you know, it, it's because of the historic, enduring uh, racism biases that we uh, experience that it, it perpetuates itself. And it's up to us to change that by standing with those against um, racism and against unfairness and inequalities. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it, I, I felt, I, I wrote that we were, that we have become painfully aware of our national sickness, um, whether we, we like it or not. Um, it's in our face now. And so I, 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 I don't look away anymore. I don't sort of dismiss because I'm confused and don't understand, you know, why they're saying black lives matter when all lives matter, human lives matter. But, you know, we are all part of the human family and it, it, it is within our control to treat each other with decency and respect and, um, you know, as part of one, as part of our, um, our acknowledgement that we are all one and we are all together and we are all the same. And um, whether or not you believe in God, that, you know, that God sees us all the same. There is no color. You know, I sometimes think of, you know, dogs, our pets, and I, I, I envy them because, you know, they have such unconditional love and acceptance. And, you know, they don't see anything. They don't see, you know, that your your social status. They don't see your color. They don't see your 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 religion. They don't see anything that makes you different than the guy next door. They just see you as mom and dad and my family, and they love you unconditionally. And sometimes I just turn to the pet world and say, I wish we could, you know, learn from them. Um, they are amazing uh, teachers of um, acceptance and non-judgmental, uh, you know, complete acceptance. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, when I when I looked through this article and I and I read through it and I said, um, you know, I I really think we need help in knowing what can we do, what can we do to help the situation. And he does give us some um, some pointers. 
And he says, um, what can I do? This is his question. What can you do once you recognize that you are part of the white privilege? And he says, don't take it personally. <laughs> and I was telling you that I kind of did. Or use it as a, or use discomfort as an excuse to disengage. Okay. Um, again, I admitted on my own that I, you know, disengaged in many ways because I didn't understand it. Not only that, but I didn't feel I was part of the guilty party, so to speak, um, in tr mistreating people because of their race or their creed or any difference. Um, you know, their their sexual preference. And this, you know, it really has come to light that all of our differences in society, all of the, the, the things that make us unique um, can be categorized uh, under, you know, well, I'm part of this group and I'm part of that group and I'm part of this group, you know, and, and all of them are asking at this moment to be accepted and understood. And I 100% agree with that. I just didn't see it before that way because it's so easy to sort of dismiss it when you don't really necessarily feel guilty about it. Um, I don't personally feel that I have treated anybody in any way improperly because of something that made them different. And I don't even know what the word difference really means because aren't we all kind of different but the same? I, I don't know. It's it's just kind of crazy. Um, but, but again, I do um, want to go through these. He says, don't take it personally or use it. Use the discomfort that you have as an excuse to disengage. So you, you, it's counterproductive to do that. He says, so um, center your feelings and, um, uh, your your instinct is telling you that it's more comfortable to retreat or reassure yourself that you're not a racist. Think what action can I take to help? The second thing he points out is learn when to listen, when to amplify, and when to speak up. Meaning, you know, when people are telling you or when you're listening to the TV and people are being interviewed, listen for what they're saying. Listen with an empathetic ear. Take out any thoughts of what you previously knew and listen with an open heart, an open mind, so that you can accept that this person's experience is real. And when you do that, you can help help with their speaking up. Um, he says, when people of color speak to their experience of oppression, um, white people should not dominate the conversation or question the experiences. Use your privilege to amplify their voices. Uh, share the work and perspectives of people of color on social media. Credit colleagues of color for ideas. I think, you know, uh, that's a simple way of doing it. Um, it. It spreads the message from the source rather than through the lens of a white person. He says this this not only helps marginalized people reach that audience, but also spreads their message from the source. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's a really good point to, to, to learn when to listen, when to amplify their voices, and when to speak up for them. And he says this speaking up stuff uh, again um, later on. He says, educate yourself. I believe that that's always a key part of this educate fellow white persons, you know, when somebody says something that doesn't comport with what you've learned in your new state of knowledge, um, and your, which will, which will, you know, increase the opportunity for you to be, um, radically empathetic, 
uh, you can educate your fellow white person. Um, risk your unearned benefits to benefit others. And he says that um, in, in terms of that, you can, what he's saying is, you know, if you're in the presence of something that's happening that's not fair, you can speak up, you can advocate for a co coworker if you feel that something has happened that is unfair or, um, you know, uh, bigoted or, you know, in any way prejudicial. And um, you can raise your voice to help them to, you know, you can you can join them in some sort of um making noise, and, and I do, I want to say this, peaceful noise, because I'm not, uh, I, I'm kind of like, I like Martin, I liked the Martin Luther King, you know, idea of peaceful protest. I, I did not support people who were looting or, or creating disturbances of um, a violent nature toward other people, because to me, that's just, you know, making more of a problem from the problem and that's not going to help anybody. So I, I kind of, the caveat there is, is just peaceful. Okay. Um, you don't need to cause anybody any harm. You just need to speak up and you need to be supported by those who are in your presence that can speak up with you. So, um, you know, in closing, guys, I guess I want to say um, empathy is critical. I think, you know, it's, it's about it's all about emotional intelligence. You know, I keep talking about this idea of emotional intelligence because it is so imperative in our getting along in the world and in our understanding of one another and in, and in, and not being judgmental toward one another, being more um, accepting and loving and compassionate uh, and human. Um, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm really alarmed that we're in a way that we're still talking about this stuff. Um, but I think if we are, we must need to be talking about it. We must need to be addressing it. And as long as that's true, it's, it's you do your piece, you do your part, you help in any way you can. And I think that will be, um, that will be enough for you. The other thing I wanted to bring up is a sort of a, an end piece too, is I noticed in this, um, you know, whole melee of, of, um, of protest and so forth, um, that there are some very passionate people out there and they may want to consider, uh, that if they're that passionate about it, uh, I talked about, uh, Wes Moore last time and he, um, you know, he, he took all his efforts and, and created a, uh, a, an, uh, an online, um, effort to help people with education. It's called bridge.edu. And um, I looked at all, all of you passionate people out there and I thought, well, why don't you do something with that passion? Is that signifying that you have that as a, um, as a, uh, a goal or a, um, a, I don't know, a destiny for you that you are so passionate about this cause that there is some piece of it that you're going to make into your work on earth. And if that's so, gosh, we open our arms to you because we need passionate people to be engaged in work uh, that means something, that's meaningful. And this, if nothing, if, if anything, this is uh, probably the most meaningful thing you could possibly contribute to. So I hope that makes sense, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed um, a little bit of 
of, of speaking on this subject, but it does link back to what I talk about in terms of a career path and, and our empathy, I mean, and, and emotional intelligence. So um, with uh, due respect to everyone on all, both sides, all sides, uh, I think we all want to get there. I think most of us are there, but we just don't know how to uh, be actively involved in it. So um, until next time, everyone, I hope wish you peace and love in your life personally and professionally. Bye for now.